Deadpool prove to us that putting Ryan Reynolds into a comic book movie is surefire gold. X-Men Origins Wolverine, Blade Trinity, and Green Lantern prove that it wasn't always that way. But rest assured, geekdom, we're here to prove to you that R.I.P.D. is not that bad. Welcome, welcome one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. Now, I am admittedly you know, a self-professed geek. You know, if it's a superhero movie, I'm going to watch it. You know, if it comes from a graphic novel, I'm going to watch it probably. That's not always a good thing. And in this case, though, in this case, it's kind of like a mixed grab bag here because we are talking about 2013's R.I.P.D., the Rest in Peace Department. And here is my very peaceful wife, Carrie. How are you doing today? Oh, I don't think I've ever been called peaceful before <laughs> there's a first time for everything well, i'm i'm truly shocked <laughs> well at least i went with the p or the peace part of that you know it's not really restful wife <laughs> and, and, i and, would I, like to be how do, <laughs> how do i subscribe to that lifestyle right <laughs> And you're not my departmental wife, so that's okay. <laughs> digging myself a hole here. So, Carrie, when we sat down and I said, hey, here's a list of a bunch of movies. Which one sounds like fun? You picked R.I.P.D. How quickly thereafter did you regret your life choice at that point? No, no, no. I I, I picked Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yes, you, I did. You, you, little do our viewers know what else was on the list. I picked Deadpool. Well, don't, no spoilers because no, I, no, 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 then that, we can revisit the list. I was about to say that list may come into play somewhere down the road. Uh, but it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's just, let's just grab something off of streaming that actually qualifies. And I made a list of four films and this was one of the ones that was on there. Carrie's like, oh, hey, Ryan Reynolds can't be that bad, right? And here we are. <laughs> I've seen Green Lantern. <laughs> I said I was sorry. I had to try and defend it or place it. I, I feel like we now need to do the Ryan Reynolds grading on a curve episode. It, right? Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, it's like I said, you know, every actor has the one movie that they just don't want to ever live up to. They, they just don't want anyone to see, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like dig that one into the crates, you know. Um, but, but even still, though, like as I mean. It's okay to say there's that one film in everyone's filmography that they just kind of shake their head and go, man, I wish that turned out better. But I don't know if there's you know a shameful movie. Okay, in some cases there is a shameful movie in some people's <laughs> filmography, let's be honest. But Isn't that why we're here? <laughs> for the most part, yes. <laughs> but we always find the good. Now, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it R.I.P.D. or is it the Ripped Department? And it had Jeff Bridges in it, so it's not necessarily the ripped department. Well, it had Kevin Bacon. No, Kevin Bacon was a part of that. He was a cop, but he wasn't part of the RIPD. Well, no, but he was in the movie. He was in the movie, but he wasn't ripped. Well, he's Kevin Bacon. He is Kevin Bacon. He's Kevin yeah. Bacon. Of course he's ripped. <laughs> to quote Cosmo, we love you, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> but okay, but before we go down this road, it is time to take this comic book movie adaptation and trailerize it. The world is 
is threatened by ghoulish creatures bent on using a device to destroy the world as we know it. And the only thing stopping them is a rookie cop who must team up with an aged, cantankerous veteran. Together, they will stop the monstrous beast and save the day. Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges star in a comic book adaptation that definitely is not Men in Black. It's R.I.P.D., a film that takes the character arc of Deadpool, but takes out all the laughs, and teams him up with a character best described as Kirkland Brand Sam Elliott, but funny, and tries to prove it's different by doing everything every other comic book movie does, complete with a sky beam. R.I.P.D., rated PG-13, for Post Green Lantern. Okay, can I just say I absolutely love that you paralleled Men in Black <laughs> because as I was watching it, I was like, okay, there are huge similarities. Is there a connection? Like, it, you're saying it's a comic book movie. Yeah, so this was taken from the Dark Horse comic book series. Any connection, though, to Men in Black? I think it's just... I. I can't remember which company put out men in black i don't know if it was dark horse or not but i i don't think they are actually connected i think it's just a seemingly eerie parallel but i mean that's like saying you know uh homelander is akin to superman you know when you're comparing the boys to the dc universe there's there's a lot of similarities but they're not connected okay because i admit i was waiting for you know the, the the little flash uh, <laughs> to, to strip everyone's memory at the end of the... Wait, wait. Were you hoping for that in the movie or were you hoping for me to pull one out so you could forget ever having watched this film? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it can be both. <laughs> no, you know what? This movie was... It, it was cute. It was, you know what? Put your brain on vacation for two hours and mm -hmm. don't expect much. Because <laughs> that's that's what you'll get. <laughs> but go in with low expectations. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's figure out who's in this film. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Jeff Bridges, Mary Louise Parker, Kevin Bacon, Stephanie Shostak. I hope I got your name right. If I didn't, I'm sorry. I apologize. James Hong. And it's the film debut of supermodel Marissa Miller. It was directed by Robert Schwenk, who was a. Uh, also the director for G.I. Joe Snake Eyes, uh, R.E.D., Flight Pen, Insurgent, and Allegiant, both of those from the Divergent movies. Now, there's an almost starring in this film. In the role of Roy, as played by Jeff Bridges, it was originally cast as Zach Galifianakis from no. The Hangover. No. And he apparently had to step away due to scheduling conflicts. Now, I'm having a real hard time picturing Zach Galifianakis in that role. Yes, because no, <laughs> you know what? He's he's okay, but not no. Jeff Jeff Bridges was so good. He was so, he literally made the movie he was so good. I mean, here's the thing, and and not to. Not not to poo-poo on Zach Galifianakis here. Uh, I'm sure that's in another Hangover movie. <laughs> but in the movie, Roy is supposed to be, um, you know, the the, the the funny guy of the duo, right? 
And if that's the case, I could see why they would cast Zach, uh, Galifianakis in this. But the way it was played, I can't see Zach Galifianakis doing that. Now, would they have had the overdone accent in the same role? You would because kinda, I think Jeff Bridges needed to be the one to pull that off. You kind of have to. Because, you know, if you're taking that from the comic book, you can't completely diverge from what the comic book does. Mm. Now, it needs to be said that neither of us have ever read the R.I.P.D. comic book series ever. I like to call it ripped. (laughs) Well, we'll have to check the comic book afterwards to see if anyone in there is ripped or at least ripped apart. One of the two. (laughs) There was a lot of people ripped apart. There were, but they were dead anyways. (laughs) Okay, people monsters yeah but there was also another almost starring in this in the role of proctor as played by mary louise parker they were considering jodie foster for that role Mm, no 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 because she was so good i mean mary louise parker was good but i could hear me out on this one here mary louise parker would have worked if it was zach galifianakis Jodie Foster could have worked alongside Jeff Bridges. I think Mary Louise Parker was still the better choice, but I just don't. Yeah, I I have thoughts. I I agree. I you know what? I just think she was so incredibly commanding. Like she owned the scenes that she was in, but in a quirky, fun just, way. Oh, but. I know, but she just, she was so good. Here's the thing. I don't know, and I'm sure she could, because Jodie Foster is a phenomenal actress. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if Jodie Foster could pull off the quirky fun that Mary Louise Parker did. No, I no. don't think so. If it, if this was a serious movie, Jodie Foster for sure in that role. But it was quirky fun. So you had to go with Mary Louise Parker. That, I mean, that's my opinion there. Um, you know who would have been great, though? Who? Um, Help me out with the name. Um. Oh, she, uh, Gamora, Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana, yeah, yeah. I could, I could picture yes, that. Yes, yes. And I say that because of the terminal. Her role in the terminal as the um, the airport security. I'm going to throw another option in there for you. Okay. Alex Kingston, who is probably most famous for playing River Song in Doctor Who. Hmm. Yes, but... Now, that's playing against Jeff Bridges, not against Zach Galifianakis. I mean, hey, if you want to, you know, really think about it, um, Amy, Amy Pond. Oh, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan, of course. Because Karen Gillan plays so incredibly deadpan um, in The Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, and Karen Gillan's a comedic genius. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. She, she is, is so great. Right? She's so great. Now, here's here's the, the, the weight on this film. This film had a budget, according to IMDb, of $130 million. And I think they blew it all in that one scene where he first transitioned from the real world to <laughs> the underworld. Well, is they, it an underworld? No, no, no. It's just... It's just they're still on Earth. It's an altered reality, though. Yeah, it's kind of like a way station. And nobody looks like you would think. Mm. Here's the thing, though. Domestically, it only grossed $33.6 million with a worldwide gross 
of 78 million. When it debuted on the July 19th, 2013 weekend, this was one of four major films that were debuting. This film, RAPD, debuted at number seven. Now, it should be noted here. Hear me out here, okay? Debuting at number one with a take of 40, almost 42 million, it was like 41.85 million, was The Conjuring. At number three, it was Turbo with 21.3 million, which Turbo was just fun. It was so cute. I still think the Turbo series on Netflix was better than the movie, but it was still fun. At number five was R.E.D. 2, scattered in there. Whereas like, you know, Despicable Me 2 was sitting at number two, Grown Ups 2 was at number four, and Pacific Rim was at number six. R.I.P.D. debuted at number seven with $12.69 million. Now, here's the funny thing, too. You take a look at who's in this film. In R.E.D. 2, which debuted at number five, was also Mary Louise Parker. And at number three was Turbo, where the voice of Turbo is Ryan Reynolds. So not you literally had the cast of R.I.P.D. doing better in their debuts in other films that same weekend. Also, kudos to Ryan Reynolds for debuting in two movies in the same weekend. That's that's either brilliant timing or piss poor timing. One of the two. However, the reason why we are here is the critic score. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 25. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score sits at 38% while the tomatometer sits at a measly, meager, anemic 12%. For a comic book film to sit at 12% in the year 2013, like that that's not good. That's harsh. However, I mean, it's not a known comic franchise or property okay it's- okay but there there are movies that came out based on comic books or graphic novels that people didn't even know they were based on graphic novels and, and they this would be one of this them. one this would be one of them i'm literally i've watched the movie and i'm literally finding out today that it's a comic book property but so look at a movie like ghost world which is yes based on a comic book yeah Right? Fared much better than this. That's shocking. I would be curious, and I, I don't know the exact critic score off the top of my head. I'd be curious if a movie like My Super Ex-Girlfriend did better than this. Not that that was based off a comic book, but it was still in that genre. Where does this place in Ryan Reynolds' filmography, though? Is this pre-Deadpool? Yeah, this is pre-Deadpool. And let me put it in a second. Like, this is... Yes, it's pre-Deadpool, because I think that came out in 2016. Is but it post-Green Lantern? This is post-Green Lantern. This is post-Blade Trinity. This is this is before, like, the 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 Ryan, not the Renaissance, if you will. <laughs> I like that. The, the Ryan Renaissance. Ooh. Right? Hashtag copyright. Yeah. Ryan Renaissance. <laughs> he so, can buy that from you. Exactly. Yeah. Right? If, if that <gasps> phrase ends up in a Ryan Reynolds- Produced ad? I want money. I'm going to call Hugh Jackman. I'm calling Blake Lively. I'm, I'm getting... Yeah. Blake. <laughs> right? Ryan stole my word. <laughs> Ryan Renaissance was mine. G- give me my money. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, no, th- this is before like Ryan Reynolds literally exploded. No, okay, not literally exploded, but I think he did. Well, no? in this in movie, the, maybe yeah. I don't know. I know he got hit a few by a car times? a few times. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, spoilers like a mofo in this one. But let's get to the breakdown. Let's start with the Ryan Reynolds sauce as it is. Ryan Reynolds as Nick. How was he for you? He was great. You know what? He's always great. And I think that's, I mean, whichever movie he's in, he is consistently great. I'm going to argue. You're going to argue with me. I'm going to argue on this one. Now, normally, I would agree with you that Ryan Reynolds is pure gold. You, you know, more often than not when he's put into a film. However, this film committed a cardinal sin. Oh, you have someone who is a comedic genius like Ryan Reynolds. And and that 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 is indisputable. You you can't you can't argue that he isn't funny. Everything he does, and it's 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 that Ryan Reynolds wit that comes across in a lot of his roles, and even the films that don't deserve to be, you know, he makes films better. Even when the rest of the film sucks, he makes films better. But you put him in a role in a film with the the space to be Ryan Reynolds funny, and you make him the mopey serious guy. Well, he died. Okay. He he misses his life. He just wanted one more chance to do the, was it the boop or the the chin pinch? The the chin pinch, yeah. The chin pinch to his wife. No, and and I get that Nick is coping. He wanted to plant tomato plants. He's coping with the immediacy of his death. I get that. He's coping with the realization that his actions directly led to his death which led to his wife becoming a widow oh hold up and spoilers like a mofo so that's my disclaimer right now oh, i already said spoilers like a mofo it was earlier. his best friend right? his partner that dun, dun, dun. kevin bacon <laughs> <laughs> it was kevin bacon's you know fault that he came to his demise okay but he was also involved in the heist that led to him having this change of heart in what he was doing, which led Kevin Bacon to shoot him because he didn't want him to rat him out. <sighs> Still. So, by the way, if you really wanted to watch R.I.P.D. and now you're listening to this going, well, f- what am I going to do now? Sorry. Oh, watch it. You were warned. There is so much more. By the way, I am going to get a get a line of shirts for us now that just that just says spoilers like a mofo. <laughs> that that, sh- that should literally be our merch right now. Spoilers like a mofo. You were warned. <laughs> I want my very carry movie shirt. Which would you wear first, a very carry movie or spoilers like a mofo? Why not both? Mm. Front and back. Mm. Mm. Um. Yeah, but. The, I, okay, I recognize that this film is pre-Deadpool. I do. I get it. And this film, this is before Deadpool proved that you could do a funny R-rated comic book film and have it do very well. The Crow proved that you can do an R-rated comic book film and have it work. I found that this one was very similar to his role in The Atom Project, where he was... He was funny, yet he was way restrained. He was, um, again, he's dealing with some really heavy and so the, thing the humor's the, still there. The thing with the Adam Project, though, is that 
it still leaned on his wit. And the fact that the kid that they got to to play his younger self also matched that wit. By the way, that kid is now going to be in the remake of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. So uh, that, that career is going off very well. But the thing is, even in a movie like Waiting, which came out before this, right? Ryan Reynolds proved that his comedy can help elevate any kind of film. The whole tone of this film. Hmm, I'm going to disagree. I don't think it was his comedy. I think it was his look. I think waiting, he got by on his charisma. Yeah, and his wit. And his lines. Or his smile. (laughs) No, I'm serious. You know, it was more... He knew that he was... He knew he was good looking, right? And it was more like he knew his his role and his charm. And that's what he used to get by in that movie. Whereas this one, it's like he wasn't meant to be the overly charming. He wasn't meant to be overly funny, like in Free Guy. He was, I think, what I like about it is if anything, it might just be Ryan Reynolds. Maybe, maybe it's because we're looking at this through like the hindsight lens in that we know what Ryan Reynolds can do with a movie like Deadpool or with a movie like Free Guy. We know that when he is completely unleashed when it comes to, you know, his wit and his his humor. And I, I like I recognize that he had a lot to do with you know, the ad-libbing and some some of the one-liners are just, you know, kind of things that are done on set and, you know, potentially in rewrites. I don't think he had really anything to do as far as the dialogue of Nick in this character, and it shows. If you have someone who is as off-the-cuff funny and smart as Ryan Reynolds is, you know, lean into that. Do you think that was its demise as far as the the critic score? Well, I mean, there there's more to it. Like, there's a massive plot hole when it comes to Nick. Massive. Okay, so <sighs> spoilers. spoilers like a mofo. <laughs> okay, spoiler so, alert. So the whole movie starts with Nick burying these pieces of gold that he got from this heist or whatever that he did with Kevin Bacon. And, you know, this is his his portion of it. But if Kevin Bacon's end goal is to give all the gold to these deados, by the way, uh, the monsters are actually dead people who have not crossed over yet. Um, if the goal is to give all the gold to the deados to create this this monolithic thing so they can open up the portal and bring all the dead people back down to Earth... Why did Kevin Bacon let him have those pieces of gold as a souvenir to begin with if they were needed to be put into this thing? Like, Because he knew he was going to oof him. No, he didn't. Uh, he did not. He the only it. reason he killed him is because Ryan, uh, Nick said that he was going straight. He, he was out. He knew it was inevitable. I, it, it's a plot hole. It's, it's a needless plot hole. No, point. I think it was assumed. No, it's not assumed. It was assumed. What? Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm just saying, like, if this was the heist, help him get the gold. Don't worry, you'll get your cut later. Why do you think he kept such close tabs with the wife? 
the family. He wanted to know um, his every move. So he would wait for the right time and oof him. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, no. Motive. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an ugly, ugly plot hole in my opinion. Because what is he going to do? Where's the uh, where's the motive for but, but the for key, them to be partners? They, otherwise, make show he, him the money. Make because he needs a patsy. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, he yeah, Nick didn't say he was going straight until after the heist. So why did he have the gold before saying he was going to go clean? It's it's a needlessly messy plot point. That That's just my opinion on that one. But I mean, here's the thing. Even if you didn't know that Deadpool was going to prove that R-rated movies could be funny when it comes to comic book movies, Will Smith proved it in Men in Black that when you have this kind of setup and you let Will Smith, Will Smith all over the place, it worked in that film. You know what you had with Ryan Reynolds. You had it in Van Wilder. You had it in Waiting. You had, you have copious examples of Ryan Reynolds being genuinely funny. And if he's the only mopey one in the film, that's not good. See, I love that you paralleled once again, men in black, because I really think there was a role reversal where Ryan Reynolds was the more deadpan and Jeff Bridges was almost like you left the, you know, leave the mic open for Jeff Bridges to play because he was having so much fun. Whereas in Men in Black, Will Smith was the comedy. Yeah, and Tommy Lee Jones was the cantankerous. Yes, (laughs) where, you know, at first when I saw the setup, I'm like, okay, this is like Men in Black, but not. So you know that, you know, Jeff Bridges is going to be the the cranky. No, he he wasn't. He was funny. He was amazing. Mm -hmm. So again, it was almost that shift. And again, like I said, this is probably just looking at this movie through the through the hindsight lens and saying, okay, Ryan Reynolds is funny, but here's a movie that everyone else is funny but him. And just, that's probably why it doesn't work for me now, 10 years later. Okay. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But let's talk about Jeff Bridges as Roy. I loved him. Loved him. Oh, my God. Like, he didn't even have to say anything. But when he did, goddamn, he was funny. Right. And again, speaking of someone who is naturally funny and has a good wit about them, uh, Jeff Bridges knows how to drop a one-liner like like there's no tomorrow. For the record, there is this there's this sit-down interview, right? And like it's Pedro Pascal and a few other actors. And Pedro Pascal's talking about uh, this game, The Last of Us, which of course is you know, the latest show that he was in is based off that video game. He was saying, like, he tried to get into the game and he couldn't do it. He just couldn't get into it. And Jeff Bridges is like, yeah, I remember. I got sucked into a video game once. And, you know, everyone's like, well, what was it? And Jeff Bridges is like, well, Tron. Like, <laughs> like just straight deadpan, right? It's a, it's like the perfect setup for a joke. And he's like, Tron. I was like, yes. Also, freaking Tron. But, <laughs> but Jeff Bridges, I mean, it really did feel like if someone gave Sam Elliott laughing gas. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're trying to pick your ghost rider now. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I broke Carrie. <laughs> I have literally broken Carrie. <laughs> she can't continue. <laughs> Well, it's been fun. This is just not that bad. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I have literally broken Carrie. Her, 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 her face is changing color. I feel like I should be doing play-by-play right now. <laughs> Clearly, I gave Carrie the same laughing gas that someone gave Sam Elliott to get the Jeff Bridges role in this. Thank God, this is not live. It's videotaped. Oh. oh, my God. Please send your condolences to <laughs> Not That Bad Cast on Twitter or our website at NotThatBadCast.com. Oh, I'm ripped. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Gary, on this one here. Oh my God. But but it's true, oh. though. <laughs> and you can't, if you go back and watch this film now, you're not going to be able to unsee that. You're, you're, now, you're also going to go back and watch all the same Elliot films. And think Jeff Bridges would make this so much funnier. <laughs> a star is born, and all of a sudden you get this cantankerous manager going like a <laughs> Roadhouse, Ghost oh, Rider. Oh my god! Everything's much funnier with with that in it. <laughs> you gonna be okay? Wow. <laughs> you gonna, you're gonna bre- you can breathe now? Yeah. You good? Yeah. Okay. We're, we're good. Ah. Uh, Okay, so Carrie's back now on the show, hopefully in one piece. I think I've completely broken her now. (coughs) I have tears. (laughs) For the record, I'm now crying. But the thing is, Jeff 
Jeff Bridges as Roy really sets the tone for the film that everyone else needs to keep up to. Oh my God. He was everything. I mean, again, I could not picture any other actor in that role. Sorry. Sam Elliott. Uh, yeah. Or Zach Galifianakis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no. And that's the thing. Jeff Bridges, A, complete with mustache and, and, and cowboy hat, just brings, like, it's funny cantankerous. Oh, and don't forget his sick flow. His hair was oh. on point. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know Jeff Bridges' age, but I like to think that my flow is as sick as his in this movie. He was hilarious, too, when he would flip back and forth from the woman like when the guy tried to hit on him (laughs) (laughs) oh my god he was so funny right which which for the record his avatar is played by victoria's secret supermodel marissa miller and the the scenes where he's sitting there going you need to respect me as a woman and like you're seeing jeff bridges as jeff bridges saying that it like it was brilliant it was so funny (laughs) mary louise parker as proctor in this we talked about how she was probably a better choice than jody uh, jody foster for this but how was she for you she was so great she was so great. Like I was literally watching her to wait for that that moment, right? For her to break character and she never did. Mm-hmm. She just was perfectly deadpan. Even when, like even the more tender moments or where she's showing her kinder side, she was still like completely even keel, never, ever, ever broke character. Mm-hmm. And I- Like, I just loved her. She was so great. I mean, she proved with R.E.D., you know, just how good she is in an ensemble comedy, you know, playing alongside, you know, Morgan Freeman and John Malkovich and Bruce Willis, you know, and Helen Mirren. Like, that's a stacked cast. And Mary Louise Parker, you know, stood out amongst that cast as being phenomenal. Here, she does the same thing. Now, that being said, if this film is done today, yes, you could still put Mary Louise Parker in there. Jodie Whittaker in that role would be brilliant. Yeah. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to get every Doctor Who actor into <laughs> RIPD, apparently. Redo it with all the Doctor Who actors. Oh, can we get David Tennant in there? Oh, wouldn't <gasps> He would be so great. As Kevin Bacon's as... character? Ooh. Right? I was kind of thinking of Ryan Reynolds' character. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Yeah. Or, or, hear me out, David Tennant as Ryan as Ryan Reynolds' character, but his avatar looks like Michael Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, right? <laughs> Clearly, but no, actually, I think you're right that if he were to play Kevin Bacon's like kind of evil, Michael character. Sheen would make a great Roy too. Well, yeah, yes. I, again, we stand staged on this show, but yeah, no, Mary Louise Parker was just so much fun with this. The only thing I will say is that. I didn't buy the chemistry between Roy and Proctor. This is where I think Jodie Foster would have made a better Proctor against Jeff Bridges and Mary Louise Parker made sense against Zach Galifianakis. I don't know. I think I, I disagree. I thought she was great. Oh, I'm not saying she wasn't great. I'm just saying the two of them, you know, sometimes when you see like, a couple on screen that used to be a couple or, or are supposed to be a couple and you're not quite sure how those two characters got together. 
yes, uh, that was the Immaculate Room. Oh, yes. And yes. Yeah, we mm. spent two hours trying to believe they were a car- uh, couple. Yes. Oh, by the way, go back and listen to the Immaculate Room, please. <laughs> um, yeah, we're just going to rep all of our episodes here while at the same time while trying to get everyone from Doctor Who and staged on. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. Um, Kevin Bacon as Hayes. He was great. I, you know what? <sighs> I'm very disappointed though. I'm Why? disappointed. Why are you disappointed? Because, because I wanted him to be the good guy and he turned out to be a baddie. Okay. I, I get you love Kevin Bacon. We all love yeah, Kevin Bacon. He's, oh, I really wanted him to be a good guy. <laughs> Kevin Bacon was good for half of this film. And that's my personal opinion. Before the reveal that he's a deddo, he's brilliant. He's perfect in this in that role, right? Because you don't expect Kevin Bacon of all people to be the dirty cop. Mm. I mean, okay, maybe if you saw Hollow Man, you could picture it, but you know, otherwise, Kevin Bacon as the bad guy is not normally the role he gets to play. But he kills it. The minute it's revealed that he's a deado and all the special effects comes in taking place, it feels too campy for him. I agree. I agree. But what if he were to have swapped roles with Jeff Bridges and if Jeff Bridges were the baddie? Oh, my God. If, oh, <laughs> oh if Kevin Bacon was Roy, oh, giddy up. But then we wouldn't get Sam Elliott on, on Laughing Gas. Hmm. Uh, Stephanie Shostak, and again, I do apologize if I if I got your name wrong there. Uh, as Julia, who was Nick's uh, wife, or yeah, wife slash widow. Hmm. Is she in anything else? Um, like, is this like a one off for her? I I don't recognize her, and and that was kind of the intriguing point. Is in a cast of phenomenal actors. I mean, she held her own. You know, there's no disrespect to what I'm saying, but I did not recognize her. I will agree that they didn't give her much to work with. Um, You know, it's it's a very uh, it's it's not the meatiest of roles, right? It's very much pretty girl who has to sit there and mourn for her dead husband until, of course, she gets you know killed. That's it. By the way, spoilers like a mofo. Um, <laughs> to answer your question there, she's been in, in quite a few things. You know, she's been in at least an episode of The Blacklist. Um, she was in Gimme Shelter. She was in Iron Man 3. Uh, she was in We Bought a Zoo. You know, so she has roles in notable films and TV shows. Um, but is this like her first major movie no god no. no no i mean like 2006 she was in the devil wears prada with jacqueline follette or as jacqueline follette uh you know she was in an episode of the sopranos you know so again like there's a bunch of things that she has been in that just haven't been the biggest of roles the, but the thing is this isn't necessarily a big role even though it is in a big film mm-hmm. you know? and i think maybe the fact that she was a little bit more understated as opposed to, I mean, she's up against, again, incredible talent, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it was fine. I, I don't, I don't think that I would have replaced her. Oh no. I mean, with anyone. I mean, 
the, the problem is I wouldn't have replaced her with anyone, but the thing is you could have replaced her with every, with anyone. And that's right. the problem with it. That yes. And I see what you're saying. That is kind of the sad thing about it is that, you know, it, it could have been really any actress. Yeah. And I mean, let's go back to Deadpool because, you know, again, another Ryan Reynolds film, but you take a look at Marina Bakarin who played Vanessa, you know, uh, you know, Wade, uh, you know, Wade Wilson's wife in this and, or it's our girlfriend or whatever, before he becomes Deadpool. That's a meaty role. Vanessa had things to do rather than just be a damsel. She humanized Deadpool. Unfortunately, um, Julia doesn't humanize, I guess a little bit, but, but in a very just being pined for way. I disagree. Now, first of all, she was unknowing of obviously their criminal activities. Right. Right. So she was just a cop's wife, you know, um, but they didn't it. really delve into, I mean, aside from the fact that she's a runner, which is great. Yeah. Um, they didn't really delve into like her, you know, her, her life story, right? What she does um, for a living, it, it, but it, it wasn't necessary. Julie, you know, she's a, a police officer's widow. Well, I think more to the point, you know, take out the, you know, what she is and, you know, really look at what she symbolizes. She's not necessarily a character. She's a manifestation of Nick's guilt and regret. And that's it. So, I mean, I I get, and uh, again, we got the spoilers here. You know, the whole thing with this device that's going to open the gate so that the, the Dedos can come back to Earth and kind of take over the planet. Um, it needs a human sacrifice. So of course, you know, Hayes gets Julia, you know, stabs her with a pole kind of thing. So she's bleeding out into this thing, which is feeding the, the sky beam to get the, the dead people back. But it's like up to this point, all she's been is Nick's focal point of grief and regret. And you don't feel a connection, right? So when Vanessa in Deadpool is you know in these precarious situations we we know because we saw the relationship between Deadpool and and Vanessa that we we felt for them we did here it's like okay girl in underwear gives him a kiss before he goes off on a raid and next thing you know he's dead and he regrets everything that he did like that's all we get of her that's it it's it's not good character development. Well, yes and no. I mean, you see her as the grieving widow. Mm-hmm. You see her constantly running into this older man who seemed to just be stalking her, mm-hmm. um, who confronts her, you know, while she's on a run late at night, which is kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. But. Yet there's still that hope that she's going to recognize him and and somehow be reconnected, which, you know, was she 
really did. Like, I'm, I'm now confused by the end. Because no. But, uh, she's, so, so basically, Proctor helped out in making sure that she didn't cross over, that she, you know, held on long enough for medical attention to get to her. So, you know, Proctor, you know, to, as a way to thank Nick, Proctor helped her survive the ordeal. Which is kind of sad because he's gone and they could have been together. Yeah. If she had died. But to the same token as well, then, you know, moving forward, we now don't care about Julia. That's harsh. It's harsh, but tell me I'm wrong on this. I care. I care. You know, like, <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. If she had died and they would have been together in the afterlife or whatever, they would have been together. However, yeah, I think there's a certain strength in letting her live. No, I mean, Nick's redemption is letting her go so she can live mm-hmm. and carry on with her life. Which is lovely. But it's about Nick. Mm-hmm. It's not about Julia. It's about Nick. Right? His redemption is this act, act of sacrifice. You know, if she had died and if they were together, she would have died because of his actions in, before dying. Because he was a dirty cop. He pulled this heist. He triggered the series of events that would have led to her death. So if she had died and they got together, it's not a happy story. You know, somewhere in the next 200 you know centuries... Um, she's going to put two and two together and be real pissed off and they're going to end up like Roy and Proctor. Uh, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just put a downer. I'll get you the laughing gas back. <laughs> That'll pick this one up. But, oh my God. But, but you can see now, you know, what you know, critics of this film are going to be looking at and saying, yeah, no, I get it. Like this character, I don't really care about this character's life or death because it's all about the guy. It's all about Nick. Now I, I mean, I liked this movie until now. You're really bringing me down, and man. The, and the funny thing is, normally when we have these conversations, you end up liking the film afterwards. And now it seems to be going the other way when I'm pointing out these movie flaws. You're really kind of uh, ruining this for me. Okay, well, let's pick it back up and let's talk about Marissa Miller and James Hong, who were the avatars for Nick and Roy through this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was... <laughs> It was great. I I mean, at first I was like, when they kept flipping back and, you know, they're in the RIPD world, mm-hmm. they're kind of the in-between. I don't, half the time I didn't know what the was going on. <laughs> but seeing it through to the end, I, you know, I got it. It, it, it was obvious enough. It wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't dwell on the plot holes the same way you did. I mean, I mean, the funny thing about these two, right, is that a you have James Hong, who is a you know an actor with a with a filmography that literally you need one of those like ten foot long scrolls to get every single movie on. Really? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, okay. like like he's he's been around a long time. Like well, I, clearly. I, well, I I don't know if his filmography equals that of someone like Christopher Lee, which if I remember correctly, Christopher Lee has like two hundred and fifty some odd movie roles on his filmography. Some of them are like, yeah, I showed up for about two lines and that's about it. But some of them are like deep, deep roles. James Hong has been around for a long time. So um, that's why it was a big thing when he was getting a lot of these um, accolades for everything, everywhere, all at once. But to see him as the Ryan Reynolds avatar, you know, it, it's a familiar face too, right? Like, you know, moviegoers are going to say, hey, I know that guy. Even though, even if you don't know his name, you have seen him in so many different films. And then you've got Marissa Miller, right? Victoria's Secret model Marissa Miller, right? One of the most known Victoria's Secret models. And she's been in like a couple different shows. Like, I, <laughs> Is she? I was literally like, okay, tall, sexy, blonde. Tall, leggy, sexy, blonde. Things, even if you don't Anyone know, could have played it. Even if you don't know who it is, the gag still works. You could have put someone like a Cindy Crawford in there. You could have put someone like, say, a Tyra Banks in there. You could have put any model in there. But it worked because the gag worked. But, and it was fun too. Like, it wasn't just no namers. These were big names or at least recognizable, recognizable people. And it made the gag funnier. Now, we've mentioned a bunch of movies that are like comparables to this Men in Black, Deadpool. So I'm going to ask you in your opinion, does the critic score reflect a lot of been there, done that? Again, I mean, I thought the 12 was a bit low. Um, I I showed up today to defend the movie, and then you kind of kicked it down a few notches, and I still don't think it's a 12 percenter. Oh, no, dear I God, really it's not a 12 percent. Uh, what was the audience score again? 38. Okay. I, I think that's reasonable. I mean, it certainly wasn't a great movie. It's not the one that I'm going to call up five friends and say, oh, you got to watch this movie. It's just, you know, it's just not. Mm-hmm. But for what it is, I mean, it was fine. It it wasn't, again, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. Um, it was one of those, you know, Netflix um, suggests this movie because you've watched whatever else, right? By the way, if Netflix suggests this movie, I, I shudder to look at your watch history. <laughs> <laughs> Men in black. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you know, if the Are You Still Watching comes up for this, you're like, this is Netflix going, are, are you really still watching this film? You know, you know what? I will say, now that I have my, my chance at the mic, I think I would have liked to have seen it a little bit more kind of like ghost where, you know, the widow was just like grief stricken and yet Kevin Bacon as, you know, the, the, the family friend, he was, uh, you know, her late husband's partner, like, um, yet he was also the cause of Ryan Reynolds demise. Like I, I wanted to see kind of a little bit more of like the, like consoling the, the, grieving widow there really wasn't much of that yeah and it almost kind of felt like i mean it leaned, was she sad sure but it leaned more into 
the campy chasing the deados around town as opposed to, you know, focusing on the grief. I kind of, I think, yeah, I think even, even that scene where Kevin Bacon stopped by the house, you know, and I mean, she, the, the, the scene after um, she had the run-in or the, the interaction with um, oh, the, the... The Avatar, James Bond? The Hall? Avatar, yeah. exactly. You know, it was almost kind of like you want to see a little bit more of um, an emotional reaction, an emotional response. Um, you know, almost like that she just, she knows that he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I don't. It, it felt cold to me, and I think had it had a little bit more of, you know, the ghost type of love story, maybe it might have been. Actually, that whole chin pinch thing, right? If if we're gonna draw comparisons again here, and by the way, I love that you picked up. I didn't even think about ghost. So, and there are a lot of parallels with ghost as opposed to this one. So, yeah, brilliant pick up on that. But with the whole chin pinch thing and it being a way for her to almost realize that this might be her husband, her, you know, this might be Nick. I I, th- I think back to face off with Nick Cage and John Travolta and the whole thing with, you know, running, running his hand down his daughter's face or down his wife's face. And they do that, but three or four times in the film before that pivotal, hey, remember, it's me moment, Right. You needed to do. You need to hammer home that this means something between Nick and Julia. So when that moment comes, it means something more. Now I will point out that Jeff Bridges, apparently on a Reddit AMA, said that the studio chopped this to. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to allow you to pontificate on this movie for a second here. Would you rather see this more like a Deadpool R-rated supernatural superhero comedy action film as opposed to this PG-13 sanitized crap that came out? I also found it to be long. Now, what was the runtime on it? Do you know? Surprisingly, an hour and 36 minutes only. Really? Yeah. Because I found it really long and I was just about to say um, that maybe that was the cause of, you know, chopping chopping and, and shortening the movie. But... It, it, need, it needed yeah. more time, I think. Uh, I now, now, hear me out. Hear me out. It needed more meaningful time as opposed to more campy action time less things go boom exactly or don't rush it it almost kind of seemed like right after the heist they went right into the underworld or things got weird mm-hmm. and at that point there wasn't enough to like it was it was like what the hell is happening here like and i don't know i i almost felt like they overstayed their welcome um going right into the underworld or the 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 ripped i mean the other thing too is the whole thing starts with ryan reynolds narration which again feels like a deadpool type film but you know you're spoiling the fact right out the gate that he's dead of course you already kind of knew that probably from the trailers before going in to see the film but the thing is you could take that whole teaser out spend a little bit more time on nick and julia make 
make his death, her mourning, and the chin pinch moment more meaningful. And I mean, I I appreciate that in an action film, you need an action beat every X number of pages of script. But you have to meet. You have to make the characters mean something. So when things happen, we feel it rather than just put a wall of noise on the screen. I do agree with you that this is not a 12% film because there is some amazing cinematography in it. Some of the effects are phenomenal. The whole uh, when Ryan Reynolds actually dies and everything is, you know, just still except for him. Frozen, yeah. Right? Like, that was cool. There, there are some really cool thought out designed moments in this film that really show a where the money went but b i mean it's a it's a comic book film i get it it's going to be noisy it should be noisy but even in the noisiest of comic book films the best ones still make you feel for every character every main character this could have been done better now now Believe it or not, there is an R.I.P.D. 2. Oh? Right? Now, there's no official tomatometer on this film. It, it only has four critic reviews, uh, and two of them are like one out of four and one out of five, so it's not going to be that good. The audience score is actually lower, and no one involved with the first film is involved in the second. Oh? Yeah. Now, it's supposed to be a prequel, so it's probably the story of Roy. Um, but, yeah. Did did anyone ask for this? So, Ryan Reynolds is not... Ryan Reynolds is not in. Jeff Bridges is not in. Uh, the director is not in. It's not even the same writers. Like, this is literally... Like, the... the <laughs> this is like when Dumb and Dumber had the prequel and had didn't have any of the cast from the first one involved in the second one. Yeah. This this is I mean, I get it's still set in that world. It's the story this is the story of Roy during the Wild West times. But I don't know. And it's you know, if you're in Canada, it's available to be watched. If I remember correctly, it might be on Crave. I can't remember which one it's on, but it's out there. It's out there. And it's not as uh, it's not as well received by the audience. Fascinating, right? I almost want to invest two hours of my <laughs> precious time. Yeah, it's you got a question, right? Like, and and I I do appreciate right that comic book movies, despite all the talk of comic book movie fatigue, quote unquote. They still can make good bank, but this went, this didn't even touch the theaters, R.A.P.D. 2. So I don't know who they're making it for, but I'll be curious. Maybe we'll go down that road after we've, you know, let this one kind of digest a little bit. Before we get to our MVPs, though, Twitter has spoken out on this one. Brian Colburn, our good friend, has chimed in with, what's not to love? It's Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges being, well, Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. It's a campier version of Men in Black, essentially. I enjoyed it. And you know what? If you go in not expecting a think piece, 
know, not overanalyzing it some like some Canadian idiot in a basement with a microphone like I am, um, then you can have a good time with it. And it does have a good cast and it does have some good laughs. I will admit. I think I absolutely agree with the word campy. Mm-hmm. So perfect. Yeah. Like that is the best way to describe this movie. Yeah. Just, just campy. Just don't overthink it. Yeah. Go for the go for the noise. Go for the fun. Sometimes people want a big noisy fun film. And that's the thing is you really cannot take I mean you can't I mean, you shouldn't take most movies seriously, but a comic book movie? Come on. You you have to expect that you're going to go and put your brain on vacation and suspend any form of um like disbelief especially <laughs> in in gravity and <laughs> yeah Phys- physics physics be damned physics yeah. went out the window with ryan smith and uh, ryan, <laughs> ryan, ryan reynolds who's ryan smith ryan smith is a hockey player okay well <laughs> him too out the window uh with ryan reynolds former edmonton oilers captain <laughs> ryan smith that is the like, first time and probably the, f- the only time i'll ever see you drop a hockey reference even by accident was, on the podcast. Like, who the f*** is Ryan Smith? Someone gave you Sam Elliott's laughing gas, and this is what we have right now. <laughs> and I haven't come back since. Oh, dear God. Uh, so who is your MVP of RIPD? <laughs> I've run out of acronyms now. <laughs> well, the... Uh, the MVP. MVP, my VIP of RIPD, is Mr. J.B., Jeff Bridges. <laughs> you know what's funny? He's he's my MVP too. Although it was close. Because it was almost Mary Louise Parker. Mm. You know, I was thinking about her too. And I'm like, no, you know what? He just, he played it so well. <laughs> and uh, in spite of the, <laughs> the poorly done accent, it was, it was, uh, but I think that was part of it, right? It was just like, yeah. I mean, it is. It's over the top. It's campy. Jeff Bridges understood the assignment. Sam Elliott on <laughs> Laughing Gas. I love it. Oh, we oh. broke Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> you do realize we may now have to do a Sam Elliott film next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what was on the list. Until next time, guys. You guys know the drill. If there's a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there's no way in heck that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out our Coming Soon page so you can see some of the movies that we are creeping up on, including some of the films that we have coming up for our two-year anniversary and 100th episode which is very quickly arriving until next time carrie you are lovely as always audience so are you guys you're lovely too until next time i'm jay she's carrie this is it's not that bad take care It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.